Does it mean anything to know the Savior? My dad used to ask that question, and then he would wait a moment, and then he would say, it means everything to know the Lord. Indeed, it does. Elvie and I are so pleased to be able to be here with you. We have the opportunity, uh, after serving 30 years as the executive director of the mission, we were asked now over 14 years ago, would you serve as minister at large? And my answer to that was, I don't know. What does that mean? (laughs) And the answer that the board gave was to be available wherever you can be used of the Lord to encourage God's people, to seek to strengthen and open the word to be a blessing wherever. And I said, well, yes, we could do that. (laughs) Oh, folks, we have been so richly blessed of God in these last 14 years, uh, just about in a different church every uh, week and uh, with the opportunity to share the Word of God. Our prayer is that you might come to love the Lord more. We could encourage you to keep on, keep on for the glory of the Lord. You have been so blessed with your pastor and wife as they are here and are committed to serving you. And Ryan, thank you for your kind words. And we just say we are blessed and honored to pray for you and pray for Redemption Bible Church. And yes, our claim to fame. can't remember exactly when this was, but that was taken back here at the back. And it was on a Sunday, I think, when Sam was dedicated to the Lord. And uh, Ryan, it was so good of you to say what you did, and that way I don't have to worry about spilling the beans or, <laughs> or saying anything that I shouldn't say. Um, you didn't hear me say that either, did you? <laughs> I'd like for us today to take the Word of God in hand and turn to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. The psalmist in this particular psalm addresses, I believe, key ingredients in how to live each day for the glory of God. That doesn't just come automatically, does it? How much we need God's grace, God's strength, the enablement of the Holy Spirit, our obedience to Him. And God brings into our lives various things that will accomplish his purpose for his glory. For example, on March 13th, that's what this left knee looked like, so I am told. I couldn't see except to look at the picture. And on May 13th, I hope this is not offensive, but on May 13th, Um, That's what took place. 
And after having both of my hips replaced three years ago and recovering so quickly and so well, I expected everything just to go super well. Not so. Because in the middle of August, now that's what apparently it's supposed to be looking like inside now, I sure wish it looked that calm and peaceful, or felt that calm. But in the middle of August, I went to the surgeon uh, for, you know, checkup. And he said, Roy, most people, uh, well, their knees and replacement surgery will recover in about three months. Some people, it's even three weeks to a month. But he said, most are three months. And then he said, but you are probably six months to a year. That wasn't what I wanted to hear. And I realize, folks, no doubt many of you here have dealt with things much more severe than any knee problems. Bereavement, as you mentioned, with the one couple. Perhaps cancer. Perhaps heart issues. Other things. A knee is very insignificant, but to me, it's not. (laughs) And uh, I didn't want to hear six months to a year. And I have to admit that what Psalm 37.1 says, do not fret, is exactly what I was doing. Do you ever fret? Uh, we'll look at that in just a minute. And it, it's an interesting word in the Hebrew language, much different even than the way we use it. That next Sunday, we went to Edgewood Bible Church to visit. Some of you may know where that is. Pastor Frank, that Sunday, preached to me. <laughs> You, you ever been there? You go to a church service, and somehow you think the preacher just exactly has that message designed just for you. That's the work of the Spirit of God. Because that Sunday he was concluding a series from Peter. And he was referring to how Peter, saying, I, the time of my departure is at hand. That means I'm about ready to check out. But instead of saying, I'm concerned about this or I'm troubled or whatever else, Peter says, but until that time comes, I want to continue serving the Lord and getting the gospel out and reaching out to people and letting God be magnified in my life. And I sat there that Sunday, and there were tears, and I thought, Lord... I needed that. And I concluded at that time, I don't know what God has in mind, but Lord, don't let me miss whatever your purpose may be, even through a knee situation. And since that time, God has opened the door for us to be involved in different churches everywhere Uh, throughout the Northwest, 
uh, which just has been overwhelming to us. Now, the message today is not about me, but rather God has purposes. Then I was brought to this verse in Psalm 119. The psalmist says, It is good for me that I have been afflicted. Why? Here's God's purpose, that I may learn your statutes. God many times will allow certain things in our lives because it gets our attention. I wish I wasn't quite as much like the old proverbial mule that had to be hit over the head with a two-by-four to get his attention. But God will bring things into our lives to get our attention that he may teach us more about himself. And friends, that would be my prayer and encouragement for us today. May God, by his grace, use whatever it is that is taking place in your life today and at this present time to draw you closer to himself, to cause you to love him more, to cause you to desire to be all that he would have you to be. In James chapter 1, James says, My brothers, count it all joy when you face various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Don't, folks, don't pray for patience. You know why, don't you? <laughs> Scripture says tribulation works patience. And if you pray for patience, what will you get anyway? Uh, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Only Christ is perfect. But God allows things in our lives that will cause us to grow to be more Christ-like. I want that, don't you? And he says not only that you may be perfect, but complete. This is a word that simply means spiritually strong, mature, full-grown, even increasingly allowing Christ to be seen in life and lacking nothing. Satisfied, trusting, resting, thanking. I desire that. But the process is not always what we would desire, is it? I have a dear friend who said, for the believer there is nothing better than the prospect of glory to be with our Savior. But he said, oh my, sometimes the process of getting there is not what we would desire. But God is at work. So let's look at Psalm 37. Here he says, do not fret because of evildoers. Notice that word fret is found three different times here in this psalm. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. That's some of what we did this morning as we gathered at the communion, isn't it?
feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Get the impression, the fact that he said that three times was to get my attention. (laughs) Don't fret. In the Hebrew, it's an interesting word. We think of fretting meaning, well, kind of stressed over something, just worried, disturbed a bit. In the Hebrew, it's a word that is used to express a heated upset of life. Don't get heated, Roy, he is saying. Don't let whatever comes get you heated up. We talk about losing our cool or a meltdown. I think that's exactly what this is saying. Do not fret. Don't melt down. But rather, well, we'll see there's some instruction. Look to the Lord. Then dropping down to verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. And I suppose this could be kind of an expression of my own life. I have been young, and now I am old. You ever relate to that? I've been young, and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor the godly or his descendants begging bread. Praise God, we trust an all-sufficient Savior. This portion of Scripture directs us in several positive ways how to live each day. First, look to the Lord. Don't fret. In whatever circumstance, look to Him. Lord, what is your purpose? That was the challenge that God used Pastor Frank to speak to my heart. Look to the Lord. God is at work. God is at work, friends, even when we don't see it. God is still at work. He is faithful. In verse 3, we see the second positive instruction, trust in the Lord. Simply saying, Trust in his word. Trust in his will. Trust in his work. God is a gracious, faithful, loving God. His word can be depended upon. His will never goes contrary to his word. Recall a number of years ago, Elvia was uh, with some ladies, and this one woman said, uh, My husband and I are getting a divorce, and I have such peace from the Lord about it. Folks, I don't know where that, whatever peace, whatever it was she had, but it's not from the Lord. 
because God's will and direction will not go contrary to his word. And his word speaks clearly about marriage and commitment. The will of God. Someone has put it this way. God reveals his will, first of all, by his word. Always his word speaks his will. But, you know, like when I've gone out shopping for used cars, Scripture doesn't say, buy that car, (laughs) or get this, or whatever. But God not only reveals his will by his word, but he reveals his will by his spirit, speaking peace to our heart. And he reveals his will by the counsel of godly leaders. Thank God for your pastor. Thank God for the leaders of your church. And they are available to you that when needed, you can call them, you can talk to them, and they will seek to give you biblical counsel, godly help and direction. Praise God for that. God also leads in a fourth sense, by the circumstances. But folks, this can be a little bit dangerous because the enemy of our souls, the devil, is a master at maneuvering circumstances. Don't just look to circumstance and say, well, everything seems to be working out all right. I guess that must be God's will. Be certain. What does the word say? What is that sense of his spirit at work in my heart saying? What about the counsel of other godly people? If there is doubt, someone has said, don't. If in doubt, don't. In other words, allow God to give clear direction. Trust in the Lord. A third thing is delight in the Lord. You see that there in verse 4? Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. It's interesting how here in verse 5 of Psalm 37, he talks about delighting in the Lord. And then in Psalm 106, 15, that same word is used where it says, he gave them their desire what they asked for, but sent leanness into their soul. What was the difference? In Psalm 37, the delight was in the Lord, and he gives the desires of our heart. In Psalm 106, it's talking about the children of Israel. They wanted to be like everybody else. They said, give us a king. And God gave them their desires wasn't God's desire. There's the difference. He gave them their desires, but the result was leanness, not just leanness financially, but leanness of soul. Folks, that's a tragedy. Oh, may our desires be his desires. That is, we delight in the Lord We make him our goal. He gives us the desires, and the desires are what would please him. Well, there's another 
expression. And that's in verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. This is a, an expression of forward-looking. I don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. I don't know what will be next week or next month or next year. But, Lord, I'm trusting you for today, and I'm committing myself to you for whatever is ahead. Commit to the Lord. We came across a quote from Corrie ten Boom that I think expresses this so well. Because our tendency is to worry about the future. And she says, worrying is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength. Wow. It actually is carrying two days at once. It is moving into tomorrow ahead of time. Remember, worrying doesn't empty tomorrow of its load. It only empties today of its strength. Oh, friends, if you, if you hear nothing else this morning, let that grip your heart. Don't try to carry tomorrow's burden. Trust the Lord for today and commit tomorrow to him. Well, committing and then resting. That's an interesting expression that's found in the word of God. Rest in the Lord. Scripture speaks of rest in several different ways. For example, in Matthew 11, 28 to 30, he says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. And what? I'll give you rest. That's rest from the burden and load of sin. Have you found that rest in Jesus Christ? Oh, we celebrated that today. May you increasingly know that wonder of the burden of sin being gone. He took it all. I can remember being over at Manchester Community Church a number of years ago, and the choir began to sing the song, Jesus Paid It All. And this dear friend that was seated next to us just began to weep like a baby. And he turned to me and he said, Oh, Roy, to think Jesus took all my sin. He paid it all for me. Oh, we are richly blessed in our Savior. But he goes on to say, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and you'll what? Find rest for your soul. This is the rest for the believer, that as we don't fret, look to the Lord, trust in the Lord, delight in the Lord, and commit our way to the Lord, we can rest in Him, knowing that whatever takes place, He's in charge. Isn't that a good place to be? Find rest. Find rest for your soul. I don't know, do, do, I, Pastor, can I ask this? Do, do any of you hear Bing? If you're familiar with computers, you know what I'm talking about. Well, Bing seems to have a whole lot more things that are somewhat spiritually oriented, and I came across this. Rest area. 
found only in Jesus. I like that. (laughs) Oh, friends, may that be true for each one of us. I'm resting in him. I'm finding that rest in Jesus Christ. But he goes on to say, not only rest in the Lord, but wait on the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Dr. Mitchell, who was one of the founders of Multnomah School of the Bible, in commenting on Isaiah 40, 31, they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And he said this is simply saying they who entwine their hearts with the Lord. The word wait there is a little different than we think of waiting. As in other words, I'm just sitting here waiting for the light to turn or waiting. No, it's saying they who entwine their hearts with the Lord shall renew their strength. And he said, you know, God wants me to give him my care so that he can give me his strength. Wait on the Lord. And then I have kind of given a title to these last few verses where we uh, read that The steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord. And I have been young, and now I'm old, and in all these years I've not seen the righteous forsaken nor the godly begging bread. I simply called it, thank the Lord. In other words, have a heart attitude of gratitude. Thank the Lord. There's reasons for that, because thanking him, well, it it acknowledges what he's done. And I need that reminder. And thanks implores his presence. Lord, you're here. Thank you. Thank you for all you've done. And thanks creates an atmosphere of heart and light, an atmosphere that surrounds us. And thanks speaks well of God. You know, that's one way we bring glory to his name, by speaking of what he has done. And thanks produces worship. Well, thanks changes me. (laughs) Instead of focusing on, oh, me, oh, all the problems, oh, whatever it may be, it takes the focus away from that, and it puts it upon him. Oh, friends, we are richly blessed. Seven things. But I believe these are avenues, means of living each day for the glory of the Lord. Very godly spiritual leader in our country today, Dr. John Piper, has said, God is most glorified by us when we are most satisfied in him. Is he all we need? Absolutely. Are you satisfied in him? Oh, may it be true. I realize today I've spoken a fair amount about what I have been dealing with. 
But, oh, I would pray we could forget all of that and just sense God is at work. I don't want to miss anything that he is seeking to do. I want to be moldable in his hands, available for his use. I want to be satisfied in him. Let's pray. Father, oh, how we thank you for your love and grace. Thank you, Lord, that each day not only are you sufficient as a Savior for the forgiveness of sins and the imparting of new life, but, Lord, day by day by day, you're the one that is working in us and help us, Lord, to be submissive to you, satisfied that you're all we need. Bless your people here at Redemption Bible Church. Lord, thank you for Pastor Ryan and Amy. Thank you for the leaders. Thank you for these men who are on the trip and ladies down to Nicaragua. Oh, God, might you do marvelous, mighty things through them for your glory. And, Lord, as they come back, may each of us here be encouraged and challenged even more to be usable for your glory. Help us to live each day that you might be glorified, I pray in Jesus' name.